Hey, welcome to the 101st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we have Julia Prescott on the show. She is a writer, showrunner. She was the showrunner on Matt's show, Townies, that he did for Black Pills and Adaptive. So you guys should check it out. It's a really fun, funny conversation. She is like... Definitely one of our funnier guests, I would say. Well, I should think so. She's a stand-up comic. She's a stand-up comic, and she hosts her own podcast called Everything's Coming Up Simpsons, where they discuss the best Simpsons episodes with various comedians and celebrities. Yeah, so it, this is a great jam-packed episode. Uh, besides showrunning uh, Townies, Julia also um, is a lecturer on filmmaking in her own right and also uh, a screenwriting teacher, so she's just filled with insight really funny anecdotes it's a total delight so if you are interested in writing for animation if you're interested in learning more about screenwriting show running for the first time all of that stuff is in this episode um and it's a uh, just a really nice time well so before we talk to her we were going to read some itunes reviews real quick hey hey thanks everybody uh we have a review from seth Jurgen, who was at our live show shout out seth hey seth drove all the way down from fresno to come to the live show so special thank you to seth Uh, And he left us a review. Yeah, he says, Looking for your one-stop filmmaking resource shop? Look no further. From commercial directing to moving to L.A., this podcast is a cornucopia of delicious information nuggets. Mm. As an aspiring writer and director, Oren and Matt's podcast has not only been incredibly entertaining, but the information from one particular episode, episode 81, Everything About Making Commercials, helped me on my first commercial directing gig. Wowee! Talk about a practical application. I mostly just want to hear you guys say wowee on the air. Anyway, (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Wowie. If that hasn't convinced you to give it a listen, then I don't know what will. Keep up the good work, guys. It's inspiring. Hey, Seth Jurgen. Th- thanks for that, Seth. Uh, and congrats on the commercial gig. Yeah. And uh, we'll check. We'll Google you. S-E-T-H-Y-E-R-G-I-N. See what, we'll see what you're working on. Yeah, buddy. And then we also have a review from Richard Botto. He says, Matt Noren, keep up the great work for all of us filmmakers who are navigating this industry. We at Stage 32 love that you bring in people who are doing it now, and it's our same mission to help encourage and support fellow creatives. Bravo, guys. So Stage 32 is a company, it's a social networking site for creatives, artists, uh, people in film industry stuff, so check it out. Um, Thanks, Richard Botto. This is, by the way, not a sponsorship or anything. Uh, It's an iTunes review, so we're excited to check it out. If you guys want us to read your review out loud, want to plug your short film, your Kickstarter campaign, anything, leave us a review and we'll read it on the podcast. Which reminds me, Oren, do you remember a few episodes ago? Yeah. Let's not talk about this now. We're running out of time. This episode's already running long. Uh, But I will uh, address your question. salty dog, you. uh, On the next episode. We sat down with our friend Cameron from Film Casualty to talk a little bit more about the ins and outs of insurance and how the fine folks at Film Casualty could help us out. All right, I'm going to set up a scenario for you. So a few filmmakers and I, we just bought a camera, some lighting gear. We pooled our cash. How do we get insured? Can we keep it at one of our houses? Do we have to be specific about where that is? And what's kind of the minimum value of camera gear that we should bother insuring in the first place? No matter the size of your role on a set or the size of your film business, Film Casualty has solutions for you. If you are a new filmmaker just starting out, go to filmcasualty.com and hit our application. It's incredibly easy to fill out and it provides a lot of information that we need to get great insurance proposals for filmmakers very, very quickly. 
If you're a new filmmaker just starting out with your friends and you have gear and you're trying to figure out what to do, we can offer solutions, everything from general liability to property coverage, workers comp, kind of across the board. Say about a red weapon and some lenses, I've spent like $80,000. Is that an amount of investment into equipment that I should get insured? Yeah, totally. So you, I would actually recommend an Inland Marine coverage on the Red Dragon or any expensive piece of specific film gear that you have. If we know the cost of replacement, then we can insure against that directly. And in the event of some sort of peril occurring, we can get it covered. For more information about how to protect your film business, gear, project, and crew, go to filmcasualty.com slash just shoot it. That's filmcasualty.com slash just shoot it. Insurance for every kind of filmmaker. Hello, hello, Julia Prescott on the mic. Yeah. Welcome. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? So good. I'm uh, I, on the drive over. I was thinking about how excited I am to have you on the show. Oh, man, you're so sweet. Such a delight. I Matt was stoked been... to see you. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has yeah. been, right? Yeah, he's been talking about this. He's like, you're going to love Julia. Oh, so no, now the bar has lot... been impossibly raised. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, she's so great. So you created Townies, mm-hmm. the show that Matt directed. Yes. For Adaptive Studios. And, uh, and mm-hmm. Black Pills. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time this is airing, people should be able to see some, if not all, of the series by now. Mm-hmm. On Black Pills? Yeah. On Black Pills. Yeah, we'll have links in the show notes, everyone. Ooh. And I've changed my Twitter header to be the still ooh, from Townies. I've good. done that. I was like, I'll do this. Yeah, good. Sure, why not? Get into it. Yeah. And so yeah. Townies is a Western, like, raunchy high school comedy. Yeah, I always called it um, the OC in the Old West. So it's the untold story of the crazy, sexy teens of the Pioneer era. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know there's... Shit. There's something that's like super like wacky about that, but there is also something like a little profound, which you're like, I didn't really think about teen life in the old right? West, right? Yeah. You're like, that's kind of, it, it must have existed. <laughs> <laughs> it existed for just a millisecond, you yeah. know? Like that's the joke where it's like, they go from age 14 to like hardened, like grizzled Clint Eastwood and in right. just a second. So well, we catch them in that little in-between. Did people get married like in the 1800s, 1880s when they were like 14 and 15? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the I mean, the joke is, is based in a real reality where like teenagers weren't really invented in the sense that we understand them until like the 50s, right? right. Like, you had to have disposable income and like a longer education path and not get married when you were 14. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. once you have your bar mitzvah, your parents assign you your wives. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes earlier kids. than that, you just yeah, you go for it. Yeah, man, we didn't do an old west bar mitzvah. <laughs> season two, season two, season two, <laughs> season two. We'll have the musical episode, the paint your wagon. Did you do like a sweet sixteen, or is that too old? No, no, no. We uh, well, a quinceanera, fifteen. <laughs> we there was a birthday in the first episode where we kind oh, of demonstrated yeah. that um, the quick transition from babyface to full on Clint Eastwood. Um, but it's it's funny because like. I I wrote the whole series by myself and I went through a bunch of different passes from like outline to scripts and I had to cut so much. Like I think the first outline that I delivered for six 10 minute episodes was like 28 pages long. Mm, the outline. <laughs> Just the outline. And uh, all the people, the good people at Adaptive like really laid into me on that one um, <laughs> that I just basically wrote a movie. Um, but I think... Like, I'm trying to remember, there there were so many moments that uh, were cut that were, like, basically the school dance or, you know, a bar mm-hmm. mitzvah type thing. Um, you know, uh, a lot of, like, parent 
kid like heart to heart after school special moments right. that were completely cut out like there's no parents in the show at all yeah. now and so, which i love actually yeah it yeah. was nice it had a good vibe overall like in the end because it was kind of their show and the parents were irrelevant right yeah, yeah. sorry just to jump deep <laughs> right at the beginning but when you write your outlines do you um do you include any dialogue? Do you have slug lines? Like, what's your kind of format? Yeah, um, usually for for me when I'm just writing my own, um, I'll kind of like have them be sort of outline slash beat sheety kind of stuff. So, because um, my beat sheets always kind of morph into outlines, mm-hmm. um, as I've mentioned, I overwrite. What's but, a beat sheet versus an outline? Oh, a beat sheet is is really just like the most consolidated, efficient way of writing all of like the different. Um, parts of the story so the cold open would probably be like one sentence or one or two sentences and then each scene would just be like and then this happens and this happens it's just like the bare bones story beats of what i want to accomplish um without like like any of the uh, comedy i mean i guess the situations are funny yeah yeah no jokes um yeah i'm not a ton of jokes i mean uh good lord um (laughs) not a ton of jokes just because especially if you're writing to deliver to a studio or you're working on a job you don't want um to include too many jokes or too many things that could be distracting or mm-hmm. get noted. You don't want to slow them down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just want to like give them like, all right, this is a story about you know uh, like going to the hangman competition in townies, and so she does this and then this and then this and then this, and it's just like you know bare bones, like as if you could you know uh, say it Aaron Sorkin style, walking down a hallway and then right. get the full episode. But do you do you care about tone at all? Do, like, are you trying to communicate the tone in that beat sheet? Um, not so much in the beat sheet, but in the outline, absolutely, uh, mm-hmm. with the tone. And that's where you can kind of include some of the jokes and, and some of the other things. When I'm writing just for my own stuff, I'll write as much as I can in the outline and, and really overwrite because then when you transition from going uh, outline to script, it becomes a really easy process. And you can kind of work out all of like the story holes that you know you could get tripped up in if you were to just go to final draft you you know can look at it in this word document and for some reason it has like less pressure Mm -hmm. so it just feels like you know not for real writing so you're just kind of like you know doodling with the characters (laughs) and the story beats but yeah my outlines will include like slug lines of where we're at um, sometimes if I'm feeling fancy, I'll even include underneath the slug line all of the characters that are in the scene. I tell size so I can just look at it and go, okay, cool, here's where we're at. And then I'll write what happens and it'll be like a paragraph and then I'll move on and do um, and you act do that breaks in, and stuff like that. In Word? Yeah, I'll just do that in Word. Um, I've started doing that sort of work in Highland. Have you oh, ever played with Highland? Yeah. So no. Highland, so normally I use it just to like, it, it melts PDFs into Final Draft Oh, files, cool. which is super nice. But the other thing it does is it'll let you toggle in between just like basically a regular basic text edit program. Oh, so cool. like you can kind of just do basic standard word processing. And it's got a tiny little bit of uh, formatting markup that basically lets it translate into a final draft file. Oh, so cool. it, you know, it takes a tiny little bit of learning to, to kind of figure mm-hmm. out all of the coding, but like it's pretty streamlined. And so you can kind of save yourself a tiny bit of work in mm-hmm. translating your slugs, for instance, from right, your outline right, right, right. to your... Yeah. yeah. And I've known some people um, that have like 
they'll write their outlines in a Word doc and then they'll just copy and paste and put it into a final draft just to sort of see how long that's going to be and to kind of like generally gauge. And then some people are even crazier where they'll like just write the script around the outline. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a fresh start. Yeah, I worked with a guy that did his outlines in final draft. Like he'd write the slug line, then what happens in the scene, slug Uh line. And then he would like slowly morph it Mm -hmm. into a script yeah um and i know a lot of people are using google docs now because they're annoying right 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 Um, right we use that at work i I find a lot of workplaces um will use google docs just because the formatting is like pretty accurate for mm -hmm. one page is one page and there's not a lot of like you know variety with like um headers of like one inch or whatever um but then also sharing just the shareability of it is really nice um but i've actually started when with my pitch docs i'm working on a script right now that like i've been struggling to write as a pilot for a really long time and i'm i've seen this a couple times so i'm exploring it with this idea where like i i wrote the cold open that i feel pretty good about it but then i'm writing the rest of the pitch in final draft as well and as i'm writing the pitch you know i'll say like this character is like this and they do this and that and then i'll just write a quick scene to sort of expand on that Mm -hmm. and then like go back to the pitch and then do that I've seen it a couple times. It's not standard, but I think for this particular idea, it works. And, and I think that's okay. I don't know yeah. to kind of like change your method per yeah. idea. I will do a similar sort of thing where I'll throw in kind of the backwards version of it where I'll be in Google Docs and then I'll format something like a screenplay real quick. So mm-hmm. if I want to do like if you're the fastest and best way to illustrate the dialogue style between two characters is just to like write a quick funny scene to just have in there yeah Um, so that's what you're describing right but kind of yeah in final draft rather than but yeah in final draft and and for me i just feel like whatever's going to convey the idea that you want the best Mm -hmm. just go with that like there is no standard and it took me a really long time to kind of um detach myself from that like school mentality Mm -hmm. of like this is the only way to format a script or this is the only way to do this um and just sort of off-road in my own way because when you pitch something or when you submit a script to somebody of course if they ask for a pilot script send them a pilot script don't send it to them in a word doc you know there are those certain rules but when you're pitching a especially there are no rules you know but yeah it's just like whatever conveys the idea best and when i'm even like writing my action head like headings in in my own scripts i'll like curse i'll talk to myself i'll do all these random things just whatever works for conveying that idea and i think that also kind of feeds into my tone and my voice and yeah makes it mine yeah i mean i remember when i first got the townie scripts um they're great I love them, oh, right? So much fun. And I think the benefit of you having overwritten so much before is that like everything is super duper dense, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and you have a reason for why all of the characters are doing the things that they're doing, even if it doesn't necessarily inform the story anymore. The homework has been done. Um, but I, I, before Townies, used to be a real stickler about like, um, if you can't shoot it, it shouldn't be on the page. Mm. Uh, and that's still a generally true thing that I believe in. But I think that you get away with throwing jokes into scene description because it does such a good job of a being genuinely funny, which is oftentimes the thing I'm actually complaining about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> B, conveying tone, right? Yeah. So I understand how to shoot your show better because the jokes in the scene description are in evoke that sort of style and idea oh cool great yeah. 
So it worked. I was like, well, I can back <laughs> off on this one because normally I'm like, right. you know, like tone is so hard. Yeah. I feel like I, I really fixate on that a lot. And, and, you know, that can like also paralyze you in mm-hmm. a way because tone is also so slippery. It's sort of like when people talk about finding your voice as a comedian and finding your voice as a writer. It's not like you wake up one day and you know what your voice is and, and that's what it is. You kind of have to wait for the universe to tell you what mm-hmm. your voice is and to kind of point out little characteristics and make you go, oh yeah, I do like to do this one thing or oh yeah, that is like a trend you know, across different scripts that I, I like to explore themes right. of this, that, you know, whatever. You know patterns later on yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah as far as like you know the tone in my action headings and like that kind of stuff i just want people to know exactly what the fuck kind of world we're in and exactly who the fuck these characters are and like just you know what makes them tick in that small tiny way there is a moment in townies where um the main character has like a real emotional breakdown and this is not you know, there's emotional truth in the show, but it's not uh, drama and by any mm-hmm. means, right? And the I think the line is that uh, the character will give a performance that will make Meryl Streep's anus clench. <laughs> yes, I think, that I think, was, I think that was yeah, was, that was that was, was like, written I've in got the it. action headings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> professional script and we're professionals shooting this professional show yeah i mean i delight in stuff like that i think that also comes from because i went to film school i went to chapman and um though i didn't major in screenwriting i majored in film studies and you know that was kind of like adjacent to it took screenwriting courses as well actually were you really we talk about this i'm from orange Mm -hmm. county that's what i got hey (laughs) so you were there too um it's probably next to you yeah peeking over the fence george lucas and you're better off because now i owe them so much money and I wish so, I, I did so not. Um, but I just remember like struggling so much with trying to convey exactly what I wanted the scene to be. Like I could see it so visually. I was always the kid that all of like my journals in high school were actually sketchbooks because I would like write, 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 write. And then I would just draw like mm-hmm. what I and use them as like storyboards because I kind of tinkered with filmmaking at that level you know, whatever that is, you guys all know what I'm talking about being a teenage filmmaker. Um, And so often I was just like, I can see it in my head. Why can't I just like not have it be a full paragraph of description? And I just found that like not mincing words and just being like, yeah, it's a performance that would make Meryl Streep's anus clench. Like there it is. Don't need, (laughs) you don't need an extra (laughs) sentence. We all know what that is. And also if I can make, you know, this person uh, laugh as they're reading it and and go like this writer is having fun, then I've done my job, I think. Right. Right. And is that something, so a line like that in a script, which is obviously great, like is that, that's just like the thought process that you're, is in your head or do you write like, oh, it's, you know, a great performance. And then as you're like kind of rewriting your script, Mm. are you like, oh, this, it's it's so great. Like you're starting to add color to your description as you, as you go rewrite. That was a first draft. (laughs) 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 I I, am jealous. I I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I need to make just reading this more fun. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do a color pass at the end. No, for sure. And like run on sentences and getting rid of like. A, bu- a bunch of repeating words and yeah yeah well it you know depending on like the tone of the story i'm i'm telling this one was definitely more like we're having fun here right um you know i i would reference what hot american summer and those kind of comedies a lot which always just felt like a group of people having fun mm-hmm. that, that really enjoyed each other i would write 
yeah, my like character descriptions and my action, like I was just talking to my friend, right? Um, and kind of come at it from there. And I find that that's slightly more successful than say my previous attempts of like writing as if I'm, you know, handing it off to the CEO of NBC, you know, <laughs> right. like I, no one really wants, it's always going to be dry when you get into that mindset with it. Um, and that was a lesson that I had to learn, you know, over many years of like, uh, finally kind of breaking down why I write and what I want to write. And that if it's, you know, maybe I don't want to write a spec of the Mindy project and sure. I don't want it to feel like that. I'll, I'll, I just want to write, you know, what makes me laugh. Right. And that's sort of where I landed. Let me ask you, Matt, when you see a script or in the scene description, it's like this performance is so amazing. It would make Meryl Streep's anus clench. Or does that stress you out a little bit? Like, oh, how are we going to get our actor to be well, better than Meryl Streep? Because it's tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I think I, I wasn't worried about it in that um, it, it wasn't setting any sort of pressure beyond like, this is kind of like a funny way of dealing with an emotional scene. Mm-hmm, you know, so mm-hmm. so it, in that way, I didn't feel like there was a ton of pressure or anything like that. Honestly, like when I read that script, most of it was like, oh, no, um, there's no fat to cut. And we had to. Yeah. That yeah. that was the thing that was stressing me out for sure. But we figured um, it out. We figured it out. <laughs> We're well, fucking wizards, yeah, I yeah. think. <laughs> That's like my proudest moment that we yeah. actually made a stupid show at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of... Uh, back up a tiny bit for people who don't listen super regularly because i've talked about the show a decent amount uh, or tony's a decent amount on on this show but basically we were out in the mojave desert mm-hmm. how, how hot did it get it was up to 110 yeah uh, all the time i clocked 115 some yeah. days <laughs> yeah when julia <laughs> first walked in the door she was like you look different and i was like yeah i'm not drenched in sweat <laughs> Yeah, you're not glistening. We were all Mad Max in it out there. We really were, you know, just not giving a shit, dirt all over our faces. Yeah, just disgusting. But we shot for eight days, seven days. I feel like eight or nine actually. Yeah, but I wasn't there for a couple. You know, also we had the um the we called it the siesta schedule where we would shoot basically from sunrise to lunch and then go take a three hour break and then shoot from then till sundown. And so it kind of felt like two days each Mm -hmm. time. Um, and how many pages? Yeah, yeah, that's a question for you, actually. And in the end, total, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it was 60 Yeah. in the end. But then when we were shooting, an average size day was like 10 to 11 pages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it I was think crazy. That first day, and that may make sense because you weren't there that first day because you had a job that we'll get to where you were <laughs> writing with awesome people and having a great time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, we just weren't used to the heat yet. And yeah. like, I think we only made like four or five pages that first day. And it was like, we had a real come to Jesus moment of like, oh no, like I know how fast I can shoot. And I had just come off a mockumentary series where we were hosing things down. I shot 16 pages in one day. Oh wow. Not without breaking a sweat, but it was, yeah. this was hard. This was mm-hmm, hard in a mm-hmm. way that that other show was hard in different ways. So it was a, it was a real real challenge and we kind of walked in knowing that we needed to trim things a little bit and that we would find some stuff on set and i think that i remember very clearly that first day that you had arrived uh and you were like oh i see (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like all right here we go (laughs) yeah there was a lot of reality checks every moment and they were just like you know uh, a metaphorical uh 
bucket of dead puppies at your feet. (laughs) It was like the biggest learning experience I've ever had. The most rewarding really of like how to, I thought I had already written pretty efficiently. (laughs) You had. had. I had, but then to like, I haven't been on a lot of live action sets. So Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't super familiar with that, but you know, coming out of it, (laughs) <laughs> like turning to you during the process and being like, okay, you know what? I don't think this person needs to be in this scene. Yeah. Like, let's figure that out. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and just rewriting what seemed like every day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, ultimately, I think just some characters' stories got trimmed pretty significantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the difference. We weren't cutting fat. We were cutting content, basically. Yeah, yeah. There there were a couple, like um, our town mortician, Dave, child i feel like he had maybe at least one and a half scenes that we had to cut down real which is good scenes yeah. really good scenes you yeah. know so we were just like cutting jokes at the end but that that was your character arc for me actually because yeah. I, I remember there was the first time you were like i cut some stuff and i was like great and like we looked at it and we realized oh it's like oh like about a page and a half and mm-hmm. i remember i had a real hard sw- like a scooby-doo like gulp like right, uh-oh right, we still right, gotta right. do a lot more right and then i remember Dave, who is like a dear friend of yours and mm-hmm. an incredibly talented performer who had been up in the fucking desert with us for right, a week I know. in like a mortician's outfit aye, aye, aye. and like gross makeup and all this stuff. And you were like, sorry, dude, you're cut. <laughs> it was like, i mean it, thank god it was him though and, yeah, and you know that we had had that relationship and also like he you know is the kind of guy that was just like i'm having a great time yeah, yeah. the fact that i'm in this for a second feels right you know he was in really good spirits about it but yeah there were a couple times where he was like about to get on the van and i was like sorry dude like like get back in the hotel like get another omelet you're not in this scene so yeah he he was a good sport about it and um i got paid a, a pretty nice compliment from our adaptive people about um you know changes on the fly they told me that they'd been on a couple sets where they would tell like the writer director, Hey, you need to cut like half a scene or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like a huge thing. And they would start crying, <laughs> like <laughs> get really emotional about it. And you know, when they told me that I was like, Oh, I mean, it was a job that needed to get done. Yeah. I mean, I was upset. Of course sure, and I was yeah. stressed out like every dinner. I, I was like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, but I, I remember turning to you uh, throughout the process and going, well, are we still going to have a show? Yeah. Like as long as we yeah, yeah. still have a story, that's all I cared about. And, you know, it would have been nice to have those extra moments with Dave and some other extra jokes and stuff like that. Um, but as long as we had that story arc that I had worked hard to yeah. write, you know, that was good by me. Well, do you think if you had to do it all over again, you would write less? I don't know, though. Because I don't know if I could have anticipated it and i think that it was okay that we were ambitious yeah yeah i don't think i don't think anyone can know until they're in it in a lot of ways yeah because we didn't know how hard it was gonna certainly i didn't know what our actual page count was gonna be Mm -hmm. until i mean when you before you went to shoot townies which was already insane because it was like a week after you just finished this giant shoot right yeah um but you had were already talking about like Oh, we got, we're doing, th- this is the size of the show. And I was like, how long do you have to shoot that? Like a month? And you're like, no, like a week. Yeah. If, if the heat hadn't been such a factor, I think we would have shot 
a minimum of three more pages. Yeah. Per day. Yeah. I was no, th- no, no. Just total across across the board. Because we mm-hmm. still we still hit some high page counts. Yeah. Well, in one day in a flash flood. I'm gonna say I do not believe in God, but <laughs> he was shining on us a couple moments. In in like there were you know just like one hit wonder kind yeah. of shots that we got action shots to that one day during the flash flood where we turned and there was this beautiful like heavenly opening yeah of the we clouds. had all the god rays during a very emotional scene yeah so we were yeah. like fucking perfect let's yeah. do this but i was gonna say that you know if we had to do it all over again i think that it's better that we i would rather have been ambitious in the way that we were versus you know, being too lean and having time at the end, like, oh, well, we could have done mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Like, I would have rather have shot for the stars like we did. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the first time in quite a long time, um, it really felt like we were at camp. Yeah. You know, I think I hadn't done like big long-term location stuff where everybody was staying at the same hotel. There was nothing else to do yeah. in a very literal sense. Like literally the ho- the town we stayed in had a hotel, motel, I should say, the diner that was attached to that motel, a Dairy Queen and a Jack in a Box and a subway subway <laughs> and two gas stations. And that was the town. Yeah. Also, like at any given time, one and a half people working that diner. <laughs> one guy that was like on his way out, yeah, yeah. they got lasted back in yeah. when we stormed in. Yeah, it it was a really great bonding experience. And I was really tickled by how well our cast bonded. I mean, some of them knew each yeah. other before, but they really bonded. Yeah. So that was like a good little like, oh, we were making a real show and yeah. this is a special thing. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I've heard enough about how much fun that was. <laughs> it's not that interesting to me. Um, what's that? So what's your other job? What's your day job? Um, I'm currently writing on a show for DreamWorks that has not been announced, so I'm not allowed oh, to mention. Yeah. An animated show? An animated show, yeah. But I've um, been doing that. I'm a staff writer. I've been doing that since June, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I Before this, I was freelance and fancy free. Um, I would freelance on different shows for different networks but nothing you know as uh corporate and every day as this so it's been a bit of an adjustment but um yeah dreamworks is a nice company to work for (laughs) they give you free lunch um they uh you know want to make a bunch of fun things happen so where's the office in glendale yeah like at at the dreamworks they do they two, have like a campus or something? Yeah, they have two campuses. There's the big fancy one that we are not on. That's where all the movies are and stuff like that. Um, and then there's like basically the TV campus that's um, a couple miles away. And we are right near the Americana. Ooh, so, at Brand? Yeah, on Love it. Brand. You know what? Um, kind of in and out. They also they take movie pass so and that movie theater oh. is you're big. on movie yeah. pass yeah it's changed our lives yeah I've seen every movie yeah it's the best right <laughs> yeah um so what so have you written a lot of animation before yeah I've uh, written on shows for Disney I wrote on a show called Future Worm uh, which is really Ooh, fun it slimy. was about yeah it was like sci-fi um James Adomian was in it uh, as oh, was cool. Andy Milanakis and it was about a boy who has a time machine lunchbox and his best friend is a worm from the future which and that's james, james voiced yeah 
Oh, wow. And Andy was the kid. Um, so that was super fun. Unfortunately, uh, it only lasted two seasons on Disney, um, but I wrote for the first season. And then I've written on Cartoon Network for a bunch of different stuff. I'm actually um, freelancing on a show for them right now that I also think hasn't been announced. So why do I bring it up? Um, but I, uh, yeah, I've written on animation stuff, but um, also some live action stuff, of course, townies and then screen junkie stuff, other random comedy bullshit. I want to talk actually about, um, because you do, uh, you're part of the Nerd Melt lecture series. Yeah. But you also teach a, you have a writing group, the vomit draft thing. Yeah, the trash draft. Trash draft. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit in townies, but walk us through this, the trash draft workshop and what that is and how that works. Um, It began as a writing group that I formed with my friends and it was just like five of us. I think I formed it like two or three years ago. It was right around the holidays, you know, when you get really itchy and you're thinking about how you're going to conquer the new year and you're just so frustrated. So um, I just wanted to, you know, have an excuse to just push out an idea. And the way Trash Draft works is we would all get together on a Saturday and we'd pitch out our ideas and then write like our outlines. Like a brand new idea. Like, like a brand new idea that you've never touched before. And it could be anything. I mean, um, we've had people over the years um, work on features or work on, you know, short film scripts. Um, it's whatever you need it to be. But traditionally, in the way that I originally envisioned it, it's like writing a pilot brand new. So you pitch out on Saturday and then on Sunday, you presumably write your outline in the privacy of your home. And then um, every day leading up to the following Sunday, you write. So boils down to about five or six pages a day. And then on Sunday, we do read throughs and it's an all day thing. We order pizza and um, they're just trash drafts. So like, don't apologize. It mm-hmm. You wrote it in a week. We all wrote it in a week. You know, let's just see. And what's come out of it is, you know, I've seen people like, finish really really strong pilots really strong specs you know really strong things I've written a couple pilots myself that I'm particularly proud of but what's great about it I think is is that you take the pressure off of being Mm -hmm. so precious about every single page and every single you know bit of dialogue and I think also even when you kind of half write an outline which seems to be the case because it's such a breakneck pace in writing it um, just pushing and pushing and pushing your mind, you've got those ideas in there mm-hmm. and you can surprise yourself. So, you know, I've done a couple trash drafts where like, I kind of didn't really write an outline and did like choose your own adventure style, like just sort of opening doors and seeing where it could go. Um, and yeah, I've written a couple pilots that like, I never want to read again, <laughs> but, <laughs> but who cares? But right? who cares? Yeah. Like, I, I honestly believe that, um, writing like you, have a certain amount of like bad scripts in your system and you just need to chip away Mm -hmm. and like get them out get them you know out of your out of your view and then dig deeper into the the better scripts and writing the bad ones or writing the ones that are really scrappy and trashy um can only lead to becoming a stronger writer right so semi-recently um i approached ios uh and asked they wanted to you know feature it as like maybe a workshop or a class and they said yes so I've done it twice now uh, where I would teach it in like the same kind of way and it was really interesting to transition from it being this like cozy thing I would do in my house mm-hmm. to like hello students you know yeah. I am your this teacher. This is how you write a trash draft. Yeah yeah it was interesting I, I didn't anticipate 
um, like having to also kind of explain the basics of story structure and writing a script oh, I see. to a yeah. lot of these students. Um, yeah. It's not an ideal situation for <laughs> your first no. script. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but then we would also get people that were, you know, like familiar with it and, and each time I've done it, granted it's only been twice. Um, I've been really surprised by the outcome. Yeah. You know, I, a, a the lot goal of the is not like write your first screenplay in a week. Yeah. It's, get over that writer's block exactly. or like, you know, just get this out of your system in a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've known a lot of people to take writing classes where like the, the class was specifically set up to over the course of six weeks, by the end, you'll have a script in your hand that you'll be proud of. That's great. Congratulations. Um, this is just to prove that you can do it mm-hmm. to really shatter what causes like, um, you know, writer's block and, what you know is the voice that's telling you like you'll never write past page six and it's just about you know pushing through and and like getting that sort of like creative mojo going and oftentimes like right now i did a trash draft a couple weeks ago and i'm not happy with what i came out with so right now um i'm like writing the opposite of that script and Mm -hmm. oftentimes i'll find whenever i get frustrated in one world you know uh this is like a very grounded like it deals with death and it deals with like two sisters sort of dealing with something very serious i'm like off-roading to the opposite which is a very high concept cocaine time travel show sure, of course like you do yeah. and yeah, and it, a lot of those yeah so it's like i think trash ref maybe has helped me uh you know believe that that's okay to just sort of jump around and just do something and and not judge yourself. Right. Just push through. We've yeah. all wasted a week of our own time and not had a screenplay. At the Absolutely, end of it. yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've probably spent quite a few years, like work working on reasons that I shouldn't be like writing my screenplay right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the The one thing too, though, I mean, some people could make this argument against trash draft of like, well, then your mind can get a little too attached with how you laid out that world in that mm-hmm. way. You know, that's why people like spend so much time outlining outlining excuse me before going into script i think that that's a cop out and i think that when you get to that point where you go well maybe like this isn't the right take on it it may very well be that's when you send it to somebody that you trust send it to a couple people that you trust because no one's going to read it in the time you want them to sure (laughs) and um and then listen to that feedback and have that kind of inform the next phase of that script that you go about but you have something and like, I think that's, you know, really the goal and, and that's way more important than people give it credit for. Yeah. Is there any more structure to the timeline or at least when you do it at iOS, like, is there like, so one day you write the outline and then you have to write 10 pages a day or five pages a day usually is, is the average that I've kind of rounded out. And when I do the workshop, because I'm being paid, I, I tend to be a little bit more like, Hey guys, like I'm sending out emails like every other mm-hmm. day, just like, you know, stay strong. I usually find, and I tell this to my students on the first day that like Wednesday is the worst day. Wednesday is the day <laughs> that you're just like, fuck, it's right. either you run out of steam because you don't like your idea anymore and you thought you did two Mm -hmm. days ago and now it's like oh this is actually a sketch um (laughs) (laughs) that happens a lot um or you mismanaged your time and Mm -hmm. you you know life happened or you just didn't think about it um and so now you 
kind of are panicking. You can't I, write 15 pages in one day, basically. Yeah. And you're realizing that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for that, like, yeah, doing trash draft is really hard. But if you're going to have like one really stressful week where you don't go out every night to go hang out with your friends, you don't go to the comedy shows, you don't book them if you perform, whatever, that's okay. Like that trade-off I think is perfectly reasonable for having a script. Yeah, at the end like of people it. will go for like a week long meditation retreat. I know. So why not? Why take not? that week and have something at the end? Yeah. Other than just like calm and serenity, who right. needs that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, may May I ask how much it costs to, to take your? Trash oh, at um, iOS, I think it's like eighty bucks for um, like the week long workshop. But you only oh. meet we meet on Saturday and Sunday. That's like nothing. Your dreams yeah. come true for 80 bucks. Your dreams come true. I know. And I've actually been yelled at by, I have another friend that teaches at IO because I always feel bad. Maybe this is like the camp counselor in me that I'm just like, oh, um, I feel like people, I want to give everybody as much time as they, you know, need for feedback and notes mm-hmm. on like the last day read through. So of course somebody gets shafted in the end, you know, because right. of just the way it goes. And so I always am like, you guys can email me anytime you want. Like email me scripts and uh, I'll read them. And you know, uh, my friend yelled at me like, you can't do that. Cause even in the room, one of the students goes, wow, this is the best 80 bucks I've ever spent. <laughs> I'm like, Oh shit. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, writers don't email. So, uh, they never follow up. Yeah, so that's it's, true. it's, true. uh, it's worked out so far, that is but I really, should stop saying that. That is a really good deal. I feel like you think <laughs> of, um, like writer's boot camp or something. It's like $600. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe I'll up the price after this. I mean, Do you it. could double it. And it would I still could. Probably. Right? Yeah, I could. I want to ask about animation for a mm-hmm. second. Let's say we have some listeners that are interested in getting into animation, but they're not animators. Is right. that, how did you get into it? With, or are you an animator? Or? No, I'm not, but my husband is. And oh. my sister is. So I kind of know that world. But you were them. in animation before you got married. Yeah, I was writing for animation for a long time. And that came out of my first writing job just happened to be animation. Interesting. Um, Like you sent samples out and that's the job you got? Kind of. I I, um, started doing stand-up in college and I started kind of figuring out that I wanted to be a comedy writer, you know, around junior, senior year. And I'd also, I was very fortunate when I graduated high school, I won this scholarship um, from Warner Brothers to go to film school. And then part of that I didn't realize was um, that I could go intern there every summer, which was like, it changed my life. The best opportunity I've ever been given. It was funny, like, the day that I won the scholarship, they were like, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, working at Cold Stone. <laughs> like, that is actually also ideas. pretty good. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I smelled like waffle Free bowls all the time. Super strong wrists. Oh, yeah, I had yeah. fucking guns. And uh, I would just walk away with like whole bags of Heath bars. And <laughs> just full. But yeah, yeah. I uh, Anyway, I was interning at Warner Brothers and um, happened to meet uh, the head of the writer's workshop there, um, which you guys the listeners i'm saying you probably know but listeners if you don't know um every studio has a writing fellowship to get people um you know their foot in the door that wouldn't uh, normally have that opportunity and it's really fun for comedy writers because um they normally have 10 slots and only two are for comedy and eight are for drama is that right (laughs) yeah um but anyway uh it's it's a really great opportunity uh warner brothers does it disney does it NBC, um, CBS has a diversity showcase. Uh, Fox, I think, has something. Anyway, 
Um, so I met him and I was like, it's still in college toward the end. And I remember um, walking into the meeting, it was just a general and, and him saying right off the top, hey, so I just wanted to let you know that um, probably not going to let you into the writing fellowship because you are far too young. And I was like, no worries. We're just hanging out. Right. And over the course of about an hour, I was just talking to him about like some bullshit that I was working on, these sketches that I'd written. Um, you know, I was starting to work in Channel 101 and, and make some like web series pilots. And they were just like these nothing scripts, but I just happened to have them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always the story you hear, right? Like you just happen to have all of your packet ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I had been like, kind of accidentally forming it just by exploring, you know, my own creative whims and not knowing where it would lead up because usually you have to have a spec or a pilot, but I just had these little scrappy things. I think one of them was called Abraham Lincoln's my roommate and he's kind of a dick. And that was like (laughs) the one that stuck out. You know, I got a lot of, uh, Abe Lincoln biscuit gravy jokes and him just being a slob and having loud sex and stuff like that. That was that was my calling card. Giant hats, like, always all over the place. Yeah, this fucking asshole. Um, his, like, mole hairs and, like, the fucking uh, shower. Um, but I think that was honestly what stood out. And so he, at the end of the conversation, was like, you know, I think actually there might be uh, an opportunity um, that you might be good for. I don't know. So wow. you got the writing fellowship? No, I ended up getting uh, a staff writing job out of college. <sighs> At uh, Cartoon Network, you know, on that Mad TV show, the Mad Magazine animated show. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was, uh, it was a really fun experience. Uh, It was interesting because it was an animated sketch show, which they don't normally make. Um, And the guys that ran it, this guy, Kevin Shinnick, um, he had just come from Robot Chicken. So Mm -hmm. they kind of ran the room like they would at Robot Chicken which was um, like the hardest writer's room I've ever been a part of as far as output goes because every day it was me and I want to say three other writers in the room and we were all responsible with um, pitching like 14 different bits every day and they would range from like fully fledged sketches. A lot of it was like pop culture stuff. A lot of it was like Justin kind of pop culture stuff but then there would be maybe smaller um, sketches that they would call mad moments but anyway you had to turn in basically a packet like a one person packet every single day and I remember by like week two I was still living with my mom and just being like exasperated at the end of a day like coming home at 10 just going you don't understand mom it's so hard and she was like I'm not hearing that (laughs) you're living your dream like shut up was that a writer's like WGA job no, it was non-union, um, which has been most of what I've done. Yeah, most animation, I think. Is. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah. Though I am part of the Animation Guild now, um, which oh, is cool. fun because I've I'm having you know, healthcare for the first time. Hey, congratulations! Like, yeah. Thank you so much. You, you I immediately went to healthy. the dentist. Thank you. It's just I I'm glowing yeah. with healthcare. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that job just. It, it you know animation jobs beget other animation jobs mm-hmm. and for some reason you know that part of the industry kind of snowballs with that and I've talked to other people that have worked in kids and animation and it feels like granted I haven't done a ton of stuff for like cable or comedy central or whatever but it feels like the one corner of the industry where there is consistently some kind of work happening like mm-hmm. you could probably work a little bit more consistently in kids and, and animation than you know 
the sexier kind of cable shows just because right. there's way more opportunities, way more shows in that way. And, right. and I think like the timeline is a little bit different as well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, especially like the, those cable shows tend to have a very specific window and then you're kind of done and you're, yeah. you have long hiatuses. Do you yeah. find that with animation? or It's always felt like it was going by its own thing, but it's hard to track too because the industry has changed so much mm-hmm. just in the last five years where it's a fantastic time to be a creator right now. You know, there's so many different platforms like streaming platforms like with Townies and other stuff like that. Um, but you know, animation, since it takes so long and now they're not necessarily, you know, making it for those key networks. They don't have to follow that certain schedule. Um, And it was only like a year ago that I learned like when networks, like normal networks like NBC or whatever, Fox, take their pitches because I was just so used to any time. Cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. You just can, you can, um, yeah, especially in digital, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can pitch, shoot, and finish something in the amount of time that it takes to paper a, a oh, big boy show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can I say that I still have something in development at Warner Brothers that I sold before Townies oh, that, like... Most I'm, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's shelved now. I'm not sure when that <laughs> moment happens, but it's kind of amazing how I've, like, pitched, written, and created... And now distributed a whole and thing. And doing PR for. And doing PR for. So I, when you're writing animation, is it different than writing live action? Um, a little bit. Uh, it's funny. I get that question a lot, um, especially at uh, the lecture series that I do. Because I think that people assume that there is like this great big wall between live action writing and animation writing. Um, surely, you know, because they're for completely different audiences. But, you know, first of all, writing is writing is writing. So when you're breaking a story, it's, you know, completely the same as, say, if you were breaking a live action story. Um, The only thing that I would say that is starkly different with animation writing is um, there's just a whole new set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. So there are different terminology uh, that gets kind of um, batted around where it's like mimicable behavior is a thing that you kind of have to watch out for. The notes that you get are a little mm-hmm. bit more um, sure. like, do kids understand this? And we always fight the fight of like, can we teach them? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> mimical got- behavior though, it means like, it, are you going to see watch this cartoon and then, you know, strangle your little brother because exactly. you saw Batman do it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I ever told you this uh and it may surprise you but i have written for a couple of preschool things um (laughs) yeah i did that um and it was some of the hardest writing that i've ever had to do just because of all the rules Mm -hmm. um one of the shows that i was working on um had like a fire hydrant character it was like a puppet it's a Sid and Marty Croft show, so it was kind of psychedelic and fun um but i got a note where I made some joke about like a firefighter being related to this puppet of a fire hydrant. And the note was don't reference fires in your scripts. <laughs> you can reference <laughs> and I was putting like, out fires, but huh, fires. you know, and so then it was like, okay, so like what jokes are we going to write for this puppet? Um, can we do the dog almost right. peeing on the puppet every time? The answer is yes. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. So there was yeah. that. You yeah. know, that was evergreen. But um, mimical behavior uh, was like really, really strong in writing for preschool. But back to writing for animation, um, just keeping in mind, you know, those 
kind of things. And, and also I think what people don't realize is animation has a production budget very similar to mm. live action. So something I've actually learned a lot through my husband, Mike, uh, I'll say his full name, Mike Mayfield. People are friends. Um, he works a lot in adult swim stuff, but he would tell me, Hey, uh, don't write town hall scenes. Uh, <laughs> like where there's a thousand people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, don't write uh, train chases, you know. What about like 10 people around a table? <laughs> if they are pre-existing in that world and the design is there, yes. Sure. There you yeah, go. so you kind of have to keep in mind that that's not something that I necessarily have to think about in my day-to-day on, on my current job. Um, but... You know, one of our EPs comes from animation, um, and so he is usually, like, the voice of reason of, like, this is going to be real expensive. And we're like, okay. Yeah. we can. You have to mean it with this scene. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think that people assume, well, dinosaurs can skateboard, so why can't I fucking, like, anything's possible in animation. Right. But there's still limitations in right. that way. Um, and then the only other thing that I would say is, like, when I'm writing animation versus live action, I probably use more exclamation points, <laughs> which is like a silly I don't know. true thing. I doubt that. Yeah, that's probably not true. But I mean, it, there is a slight formatting difference where um, for sound effects, you cap and carrot right. them. Oh, and, you know, you have to kind of um, make sure that uh, the board artists know how to interpret, you know, mm-hmm. much like a director reading a script right. like yourself, man. And trying to interpret, you know, what you need to do. You have to really spell out everything. Because I've gotten notes on like, okay, like you say it's a tin of cookies. Like, and then like, what does it look like with this and that? And it's not necessarily that I have to spell out the physics of something in in such like an nth degree. But to just be as clear as possible so that, you know, when I see the animatic, it's, you know, I wrote a scene about, a, let's go back skateboarding dinosaur. Um, I then see it later and they're roller skating and I go, no, right. I, that changes everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur has many attitude. Oh, Flip the table. He's over. a cool dude. He's yeah. not a douche dude. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> hey, I like to roller skate. <laughs> it's coming back. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I remember with townies when I realized like, oh, you have an animation background, it did actually unlock things a little bit for mm, me. Mm, mm-hmm. It was like, oh, these are kind of all Simpsons jokes in a in a certain sense of like, yeah. okay, like we're dealing with archetypes and, you know, like uh, the world is more flexible than um, it, like a grounded store sort of style show. Um, and it kind of informed the way that you, we got to move the camera a little bit more. You mm, know, like mm-hmm. um, that would be the thing I think that would change actually is if we had more yeah. time is that I'd... Uh, have some drone shots yeah <laughs> i know every time i see because when we were on the set we were so excited for the drone shot and every time i see a drone shot now i'm like Meh. or bought a drone oh! <laughs> so, we, well, we that gotta was, go do it that was the one where we literally had the drone on set right and couldn't couldn't do yeah. it yeah um oh, well. next time yeah. oh, we well. should probably wrap up but i want to just speaking of the simpsons real quick you have a podcast yes about the simpsons yes what's it called Everything's coming up Simpsons. And it's super popular. I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were on Feral Audio for a little while. Um, and then uh, we're joining another podcast network soon. But um, Allie and I, my co-host Allie Gertz and I, um, we've been doing it for about two or three years. And we've had uh, the great fortune of 
you know, like actual Simpsons people on as guests. Uh, we've had former showrunners like um, Josh Weinstein and Bill Oakley, um, Mike Scully. Uh, we've had Dana Gould on, Tim Long. Uh, we had Weird Al on, and that <laughs> was cool. super fun. That's pretty excellent. Yeah, he and he came over. We That was when we were still recording at my house, and he came over early, and it was just me and Weird Al in my kitchen what for he like drink? 10 whole minutes. Um, I think I offered him a Zevia, <laughs> and he took it. Wait, what is a Zevia? I don't think. Oh, it's a stevia soda. It's like a stevia sweetened soda. Because he's a pretty healthy guy. Like he's. Yeah, he's a vegan too, and and that was actually like my opening line to him because my husband's show, Mr. Pickles, um, they had an episode about vegans and they wanted an all vegan voice cast, so they brought him in, and then I like. Are you serious? They wanted an all vegan voice cast. Yeah, yeah, for like everyone, all the guest stars. That was just like a little Easter egg that they kind wanted of, to as do. As a little joke. That's yeah. Cool. yeah, as a little yeah. joke. So then um, I got to voice a waitress at the end of the episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I got to like open with that when he came over. I was like, oh, we were in the same episode oh, of Mr. Go. Pickles. And I think he just went, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, like, moving um, on to How two. about that Zevia? you How about that Zevia? <laughs> uh, well, I also got to tell him uh, we had just seen him in concert in Vegas on his uh, mandatory fun tour. Oh, fun. And uh, yeah, so I told him uh, that when we, it was at Planet Hollywood Casino in Vegas, and, and all we did was step onto the main floor, just just be in ourselves and everyone, it seemed, knew exactly why we were there and sure. pointed us in the direction of the Weird Al concert. Yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I told him that. I was like, I don't know what. And he goes, my, I guess I have a type. My yeah. Boy, do you. Weird Al was my first concert. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, it's a good time. At the Orange time. County Sawdust Festival. Yeah, yeah. Cool. State fairs. Yeah. He puts on such a good show. Yeah, yeah I he mean, had that fat suit. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, what I love about him is that, like, I, I also grew up going to, like, Aquabat shows and, like, all of those kind of gimmick band shows because um, I was a theater kid. Sure, and like that's, sure. And, it, and it was a safe area. Punk was too scary. Yeah. Are you from Orange County? No, no, I'm from North Hollywood, but oh, I spent, okay. like, all of my high school youth in Orange County going to ska shows. What so. a funny oh. reversal right you're yep. like i live in los angeles <laughs> yep and, and then you're gonna drive to the suburbs oh yeah, yeah. and i when well, i grow up I i'm gonna go have to a college Ooh. i took the bus for two hours it was the disneyland bus from downtown uh-huh. don't oh worry goodness. i had an orange county boyfriend who would pick <laughs> me up at the disneyland bus terminal and we would just hang out for the weekend and then i would zip back up then cut to um, going to college in Orange County. I did the reversal because I started doing stand-up. Right. So I would peace out every weekend and be like, I'm going to go to L.A. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. So now I have three friends from college. Because <laughs> I just never got around. I yeah, didn't want to know anybody. Yeah, no. I was I was done yeah. by the time I got there. But anyway. <laughs> well, closing question. You were in a ska band as a kid? No. I was in a bunch of fake ska bands. Fake ska bands. Um, I'm trying to remember. I love knowing a ska band name. Yeah. Did you have a... Am I misremembering? Did you have a funny ska band name? We were called the P.S. Andes after P-Soup Anderson. Okay. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And we got as far as taking our band photos. Yeah. (laughs) And P-Soup Anderson's is an amazing, is a world famous P-Soup restaurant. I was into Real Big Fish was a big band for me. Um, there's another band called Codename Rocky I really like. I mean, even No Doubt had Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Influence, Early right? on, especially, yeah. Um, well, bringing it back home, yes. I am actually going to say that I started listening to 
um, less than Jake specifically when I was trying to like write some stuff about being a young person again, because that was what I was listening to when I was a kid. And uh, it really did kind of bring back ideas and themes and emotions that I'd had back then and was like um, pretty powerful in a funny way, even though yeah. like I don't, you know, listen to that music regularly now, mm -hmm. but the magic of Spotify, you can kind of like unlock some emotional yeah. stuff. And I think thinking about revisiting the music of your youth that you were too cool for now is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that a little bit. Um, with a little bit of the ska stuff, like I listened to our expandits the other day and <laughs> was like, holy shit. And you're like, okay, I feel this. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's da back in there. You realize those bands were kind of bad and like yeah. love them a little bit more for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the sense memory of that is yeah. like really, really like strong and intoxicating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I listened to Four Non Blondes the other day. Had a similar oh. experience. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, but it is, I mean, that I didn't think about it in like what you just said, where like, oh, listen to music from different times in your life to try to channel different mm -hmm. times in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was just doing scents. I was like, what deodorant did I wear back then? <laughs> mm, Axe body spray. Yes, I remember high school. But music is so important <laughs> to kind of bring, bring it back to writing and the writing process. Like music is so important to, you know, getting into the zone of a certain time and place when you're mm -hmm. writing too. And, and I love that question asking like writers, like, what did you listen to when you wrote this? Like there are some, and this is going to come as no surprise to you, Matt. Um, but there are some scripts that I've written where I like listened to a bunch of like 1980s training montage <laughs> songs sure. and mixes. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> might have in... a couple in townies. Yeah, have, how many training montage? Oh no, we have one, but we intersplice between. Yeah, all the I love a good right. training montage. I just think they're so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think that you know that's really important just to sort of like get in the zone of it, and you know you're like really cooking when your like head is bobbing and you're like you know <laughs> it's like you're making your own training montage of writing a script of can you getting in the zone can you write while you're listening to music with lyrics um yes and no it depends if it's like the lyrics are really loud mm -hmm. and kind of interrupt then maybe not lately i've been kind of a pretentious asshole and uh, listening to like 60s jazz oh that's fun right <laughs> i listen to a lot of godspeed you black emperor and ratatat are like my two oh ratatat's great yeah, yeah. ratatat mm. i was that was gonna be my endorsement actually yeah it's like because it's non-verbal but also like i maybe have even endorsed them already i don't think yeah. you have but, but it's like really driving and funky mm -hmm. and fun you know it's good off yeah. of that i will recommend um currents by tame impala i think that's the name of the yeah, album yeah. but the latest tame impala album yeah. Um, when it first came out, I remember listening to it on a loop for like hours writing because yeah. it's just like in that same rat attack kind of way. It, it just is like nice and progresses you. Well, I will check all that stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, should we jump into our yeah, unpaid endorsements? We're naturally segueing into unpaid endorsements. Mm -hmm. Unpaid endorsements. Uh, Julia, you got anything? I watched a Netflix series the other day. Um the end of the fucking world have you heard of it i just heard i've canceled netflix really what and, yeah because huh. i was like oh i'm just not watching this at all I'll, right. I'll get it again later like yeah but i'll save myself 15 bucks for a month or two and not 
and then like four different things have come up where I'm like, fuck, I really want to watch this. It's really good. The end of the fucking world. Yeah, it's really like good. Teenage that... British Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, yeah. it's British. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of like a lot of movies that I feel like have been made, like that Steve Carell one. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kira Knightley. Oh yeah, like seeking a friend at the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very different. Um, this is in the trailer, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything, but. Did you watch Black Mirror at all? Yeah. 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 I haven't seen Do you remember season. that episode, Shut Up and Dance, with that kid who, like... I haven't no. seen that one. Uh, well, he's in that one, too. He's um, this great young British actor, but the trailer opens, and the series opens, where it's his narration, and he says, like, this is my name, you know, this is where I grew up, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath, and I can't help it. Um, and then he just sort of goes through... He's like childhood. He's like, I couldn't help killing all these animals here. Here are all the animals that I killed. And now all I want to do is like kill something bigger. So now I'm trying to find who I'm going to kill. And that's where it starts. And then it zags around. And then, you know, a girl character is introduced and we hear her narration. It's great. I like was sad when it was over. I I haven't felt that way about a show in a really long time. How long did it take you to watch it? Oh, no time at all. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had friends who yeah. were like, oh, we watched literally the whole thing in one sitting without planning on it. Yeah, well, the, here's the thing that's really interesting is that, and this is like great about streaming, um, some episodes were like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. And some episodes were standard length, um, but it kind of just like dictated what it wanted to do. Like, we don't need to tell the story in any more time. Here you go. But I think that it took like two days just because we had other things going on. (laughs) But I was, yeah, I was really upset and and it feels pretty open-ended. It feels like there's going to be more. So I think it's based off of a graphic novel. That's what I heard. Yeah. I will check Uh, it out. End of the fucking world. End of the fucking world. And like, it should be on the main page, but yeah, just type that in. And when you look at the title, it's like you and C are starred. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I have that to recommend. And then I also, another Netflix show that I just find delightful that plays in the background of things and makes me feel good things. Um, Somebody Feed Phil, (laughs) the Phil Rosenthal travel show. The guy Mm, who created Everybody Loves Raymond. It's basically him doing his Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. um, But he's just such a delightful human and feels very present. Sometimes you watch a reality show and you just can tell that they're hosting. But he just feels very, like, engaged. And I enjoy the shit out of it. Ah, that sounds pretty good. It's pretty um, nice. Yeah, I'm, it hasn't even been a month. I was like, I'm going to wait you a month before it. I get you Netflix again. Because well, they're releasing stuff every day. Yeah. Um, Orin, you got anything, bud? Did I talk about the T-Mobile trick for free Wi-Fi on airplanes? <laughs> no, what no. is that? <laughs> it's probably not super legal, but... Bring it up. <laughs> so, kind of been flying a lot lately, and there's uh, you know, GoGo Internet, GoGo in flight internet. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, not on Southwest, but on a lot of other airlines. Southwest, by the way, is $8 for internet. It's pretty cheap. It doesn't matter how long your flight is. Just remember, if you're going to get the internet, just get it right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I'm always like about to land in half an hour. I was like, oh, I could really use internet right now. And it's like, hmm, yeah. not going to pay the whole price. But anyway, if there's GoGo in flight internet, on your airplane it's free if you have t-mobile mm-hmm. so you know for those of us including me that don't have t-mobile ask your friends what you know carrier they have and try to mark in your phone which of your friends has t-mobile because oh, if you just put in tip. their phone number 
into the uh, login screen, you get free internet. Oh, there you go, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you, you just fracture have to find a couple time. friendships, yeah, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think unless they happen to be flying at the yeah, same what time. Yeah, what are the odds? Yeah. I don't think uh, no friendships. I I start with phone numbers of friends and are more like acquaintances. Oh, do you just try and randomly enter them in, or? Well, I went on this bachelor party trip with a bunch of guys to Montreal, and they all had free international calling. I was like, how do you have free international calling? They're like, oh, T-Mobile, like Canada, Mexico, all North America is free. Um, and so I basically found out all the, I have this big nice. list of guys that have T-Mobile. Oh, I'm just going to hit you up for yeah. one of their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. How about the, that? Well, the problem is you always, like, how, I bet the most Googled thing on an airplane is like, how do you get free Wi-Fi on an airplane? Except you don't have internet when you do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. It's like, you can, you'll think of hitting me up while you're in a, in an airplane. Right, right. You just have to do and it. You won't in be advance. able to contact me. You have to save it in your notes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's the real endorsement: is email your friends right now, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I love and that. don't. T- I, I don't think you should tell them. They probably won't be into it. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like, but what, it won't harm What difference them? does it make to them? But yeah. like, it's just a mental thing of like. Yeah. Ugh. Has anyone ever like texted you and said like, "Hey, what's your Netflix password? Can I use it no. real quick? Have you guys shared your info, login info, with anyone? No. No. Oh wow. I have had ex-boyfriends use an HBO Go password like well beyond <laughs> the statute of limitations and m- have my mom get very angry at that. Yeah, yeah. Because every time I start Boardwalk Empire, it's at a different part. <laughs> yeah, that is frustrating. <laughs> I, I used my um, brother's sister-in-law's HBO Go password for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> we were watching... It's easy to do it and then forget. Yeah. yeah. yeah we man. were watching The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. We pay for everything except for Hulu. For Hulu, we used a friend's account, and she canceled it like halfway through the season. And we were like, "What are we doing? What is going?" I was like, "Carrie, you call like to my wife, like you call her and ask her if like they changed the password or something." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a rough life we live. I yeah. know these are real problems. Um, Enlo, yeah. So mine is this is a little bit of a, a a thing that I should have thought of a long time ago, but um, so on Google Calendar, um, you can have it like set to like add any sort of calendar you want so like different holidays and stuff is pretty standard um and i feel like i never thought to put non-us uh holidays on my calendar but so i added like the jewish holidays to the calendar because i constantly was like accidentally scheduling things on holidays that i wasn't aware of and i was like oh like i I feel like we've recorded like podcast episodes on On holidays and then you're like Yo, dude, just so you know. <laughs> and yeah. like, it's like an easy, stupid thing to do. Like it literally takes five seconds. Yeah. And then, you know, at the very least, you're more informed. I don't. Yeah. Think, I love that tip. I don't think there's been a Yom Kippur in the last 10 days when it, someone hasn't been like, we're doing reshoots on this day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I will probably pass out halfway through the day. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not eating. Just so you know. <laughs> um, I have passed out. And I, have you really? Yeah. And this is probably way too much information for a podcast. But I uh, was doing a sound mix for my movie on Yom Kippur, and I basically passed out. And they brought all this Chinese food, and they're like, "You have to eat." They made me like eat this noodle soup, and then I like <laughs> threw up. But I had to throw up, and I just like ran outside and threw up in the yard of the sound mixer. Uh, house and then uh, his dog ate it <laughs> and then oh, he came inside his living room the, the main house not his studio and he threw up on the floor and they had to like change the carpeting and the sound mixer got so mad at me he's like why'd you throw up in my yard i was like 
where else am I supposed to throw up? In your sound mixing like studio? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Also, any port in the storm. Like when you're about to yeah. grow yeah, right. up. Like, come yeah. on. Anyway. Yeah. Too too much information. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I kind of love that yeah, it's story. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> well, Julia, on that note, uh, oh. <laughs> where can people uh, find out more about you? Um, I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things that includes Twitter and Instagram and all Prescott, that. Prescott, two T's? Yes, two T's. I guess I have a website, juliapresca.com, that I barely update. And yeah, uh, if you like The Simpsons, listen to my podcast, Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Um, we are all, all of our episodes are on iTunes. You can find us there. And How many episodes are there? Oof, that's a good question. Like over a hundred? Over a hundred, I think. Yeah. Should yeah people I mean, Can people dive in like in the last 10 episodes? Yeah. I mean, the way the format is, is um, the guest brings their favorite episode of The mm-hmm. Simpsons and we kind of break it down and talk about like why they love it and, you know, explore the themes, um, what, you know, The Simpsons does uh, really well, which is like we talk about different kinds of jokes that they do uh, weave together pretty seamlessly, like um, highbrow, lowbrow, you know, uh, Gore Vidal reference right next to man getting hit in the crotch with football, <laughs> right. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and we have a good time. Do you have repeat episodes? Uh, we have recently, because we took a, a holiday break, um, we like repeated some of our best of. So mm-hmm. we or no, I mean, do have you ever done the oh, same episode, sorry. Simpsons episode nah, twice? Not yet. And, and we're kind of yeah. Well, I mean, there's by... a lot of episodes to choose from. So we've kind yeah. of like told people like good news, bad news. Hey, we want you on the show. Bad news, like here's the list that you get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the only. Like we're saving certain episodes for our like dream guests, so we're right. gonna um, save Monorail for Conan and like other sure. bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, cool. this world is crazy. We got Weird Al on, so yeah, I, it could and happen. Most of the voice cast, right? Or um, is we a good no, number? we just had Nancy Cartwright on. Oh, which I thought was, there was more than that. Um, no, we're that. actually Nancy Cartwright. What a treat! I right? know what a treat, yeah. and and she was so sweet and like blew our minds by saying she actually listens to our podcast, which doesn't feel like it's right. Um, and yeah, she told us also. God, Matt Groening was the one to recommend our podcast. Oh wow, that's her. awesome! Pretty cool. So that's I'm gonna die tomorrow and be happy. But um, yeah, we sorry about. <laughs> Sorry about dying. Yeah. No, I'll be blissed out. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, I think go? in the near future, we're going to be really trying to get more of that voice cast, like um, Tress McNeil and, you know, um, Pamela Hayden and all these different people um, to come on and, and talk about their experience because, you know, they have a very different experience mm-hmm. in working on the show than the writers do. And, and I think that that's like really interesting and valid too. And then other like comedians um, that you know and love talking about bullshit. Yeah, so. cool. Yeah. So I, I, the thing I like about that is that you can search by either your favorite episode or by a comic you hey, like. Hey, it's a twofer. That's pretty nice. It's a spicy twicey. Cool. <laughs> Who did the um, Lisa Vegetarian episode? Oh, gosh. I don't know if we've done that one yet. Yeah, you have. Oh, For we, sure have, you have. we have. I'm sure you Fact. have because it, that's it the one. It was a while ago. We've talked about that's the reason mm. I became vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I, of that be, episode, because not of because of the podcast episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the we like won awards with that ago, podcast like, episode. Yeah. yeah, gosh, I'm so sorry to the person who did have that. I'm I'm gonna have to correct I, on Twitter. Anyway. Um, but that actually comes up a lot uh, because both Allie and I, my co-host, are vegan. So right, right. Um, whenever we have like another vegetarian vegan person, they usually say it's because of Lisa the vegetarian that kind of opened their eyes. And that's the thing that's really great about that show too, is that like, it's just 
so much better than it needed to be. Sure. Um, you know, it it was just needing to be a primetime comedy. And yet it like approached all of these different concepts of like religion and like, you know, sort of society in a way that had never been seen, not only through the animation scope, but for, you know, any TV show in primetime. And to have a whole story that is like centering around a young girl character becoming vegetarian and what that means for the people that choose not to be vegetarian and how that's okay too like they're very accepting in all of the different perspectives that you never feel like they're judging one certain way kind of similar but very different than how south park approaches their egalitarian everybody sucks way (laughs) the simpsons is a little bit more kind and soft with that but but yeah, I love like their impact in that way, not just culturally, but you know, with people that are making lifestyle choices. Yeah, it's and great. you still watch new episodes? I I don't watch a ton. I don't. It's not like I'm sitting uh, in front of the TV every Sunday. Uh, I haven't done that for a while. But um, in writing this book that Ellie and I are writing for um, like the Hundred Things series for super fans of things. Um, was that a good explanation? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we get it. Yeah. Um, I, I was watching way more. Outfitters. I'm waiting for my wife to finish changing yeah, and trying something thing, on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, perfect. The boyfriend waiting yeah. book. Um, and what the if airport. you just get, Ooh, yeah. people don't realize you wrote it and you just keep getting copies of this. <laughs> I saw oh, this book. Man. I thought of you. Yeah, I really yes, hope that'll that would, happen. Oh my God, that'd be oh, so that'd be funny. so good. That'd be so funny. I'm sure some parent is not going to read our name on it and be like, I, I thought you would love this. Um, <laughs> Genuinely, it would be an easy mistake to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man, I really hope like, I, I wrote I will the text book on you. that. I will. T- I will text you both. Um, but yeah, in writing <sighs> this book, I've um, FX has this really great app where, like, streaming on I think only Apple TV. But you go in there and you click on Simpsons World, and you can shuffle any episode throughout its 29, 28 seasons. Um, so yeah. It, you know, statistically, most of it's going to be newer episodes that mm-hmm. are post season ten, which is uh, uh, where a lot of people put the cutoff for the golden age. So I've just like watched a ton of newer ones, you mm-hmm. know, through that, and it's been actually kind of nice to not sit and make the active choice of like a season seventeen oh, episode. Oh yeah, yeah, and to kind totally. of be surprised by it. That's cool. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah, highly. That's my other unpaid endorsement. There we go. Cool. <laughs> I think I have like seven. <laughs> well, you can find out more about these endorsements on our website at justshootitpodcast.com. Uh, you can also email us uh, at pod at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, interact with us. We love it all. Let us know what you think about Julia Prescott. Uh, uh, leave us a voicemail if you have a question that's a little lengthier and you want us to talk about it on the show. Give us a call at 2626-SHOOT1. We love those voicemails. Can't wait to hear them. Um, and you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Mademo. And me at Smitey Pileg. And this episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to is by the artist Jazar from the Free Music Archive. And we will catch you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.